Last time on The Randomizer. A new planet in our solar system. It is in the same orbit as Earth, but directly on the opposite side of the sun. You be prepared to recommend that the United States should contribute one billion dollars to a manned flight conducted by Eurosec. Yes. What else do you suggest? Putting an American astronaut on the team. Glenn Ross. You're an administrator. You know when a rocket's ready, but you don't know when a man's ready. Kane isn't. We've been developing a lift body for control landings. If analysis confirms an atmosphere on the new planet, we use that as the last stage. Lift off. Well, she flies. See you in three weeks. Let's hope the alarm clock goes off. And better, you made it. And now the conclusion. So, welcome back to Doppelganger on the Randomizer. It's been a whole week for you, but it hasn't been any time at all for me. Although I, I, um, I've been sitting here watching the Sleeping Astronauts sequence, which uh, I think is one of the film's, uh, well, most blatant attempts to go a bit 2001 with sort of spacey visuals and trippiness. But uh, Glenn and John are back with us both bearded oh and it looks like someone sorted out Thinnis's cables for him in the uh, the week since we, we last saw him yes of course 2001 would have been the, the biggest box office uh, science fiction box office influence on this film which uh, to tell you the truth and you, this may surprise you considering I'm talking about this film and also I have spoken many times about Space 1999. I've never actually seen 2001. There's quite a lot of films I've, I've never seen, but uh, I suppose I should look at 2001 someday. Of course, if anyone wants to buy me the Blu-ray, you know. It was Christmas. Um, yeah, it's not Christmas when I'm recording this, not yet. Bang on target. But it will be. Once you've heard this, it will have been Christmas. There are clouds, Glenn. Yay! So there is an atmosphere. So, we're, we're at the new planet. All right, preliminary orbit, 34,000 miles from planet's surface as planned, right? All is well. Okay, two orbits to mark out electronic survey, and we decide to land or not to land. And if you're not going to land, you should probably get shaving. Ah. I, I would have to... I would have liked to have been in the audience, actually, when this first went out. I would like to have seen what a contemporary cinema audience's reaction to this would have been. Because, of course, at this point, the general public wouldn't have seen any live-action Anderson sci-fi, because UFO was still a year and a bit away. I'm sure it would have had all the usual, Oh, it's, it's Thunderbirds without puppets, <laughs> But um, uh, mass and gravitational pull. Similar. To I don't know the, the the obvious 2001 influence, which I, I mean I could be completely wrong there because as I said I've never seen it, but it does feel like there are certain sequences where the film is trying to ape that kind of style, and then there are moments where it gets kind of bogged down in the Andersonness of pushing buttons and reciting technical stuff to each other. You said to land or not to land. Here it comes. That is the question. Well, this is one we can't put through the computer. What do you think? I think, on the result of the survey, we don't have a choice. You? I'm for go. Let's go, then. Going home it is. No, 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 that's not what I meant. Landing orbit coming up. 
and of course to do a landing orbit we have to have another long sequence and it's it this stuff looks beautiful especially this sunrise over the new planet as the uh, phoenix sits in orbit but now we transfer to the dove which is another long slow sequence 30 seconds okay so after our long lengthy transfer to the dove scene which i did talk over and just cut because it's absolutely deathly dull that sequence we're off 10 seconds right if we have any trouble with the guidance system give me manual straight away okay oh. here we go and uh the phoenix i've got to say actually the phoenix and the dove as as vehicle designs neither of them have ever really done much for me I think they're just a bit too boxy, which is a shame because uh, I particularly want to like the dove. It's it's almost there for me, but not quite. Anyway, this um, yeah, this movie does like to take its time, showing you every single step of the transfer and the launch and very very slowly pulling away from the phoenix oh a sudden wave of relief came over me with that music Computer checks main retros five seconds roger three two one was that was that the sound effect of uh, Tex Tucker's gun there? Yes, as we enter a storm on the new planet. I think we could have done with being here a bit sooner, really. Just cut from the Phoenix to this uh, the storm they find themselves in a bit more quickly. Three minutes to manual, four minutes to touchdown. Yeah, that is Tex Tucker's gun. And for this film, that's some no some noticeably quite poor integration of the the dove onto the landscape footage. There, they didn't choose the the site of their landing very well. And considering what we later find out, it is quite surprising that they missed some heavily populated areas and decided to land in the middle of nowhere. Although it, it does create the illusion for a little while that perhaps this is a truly alien world and not what we're about to find out that it actually is. This dove crash looks beautiful. Um, slightly, just slightly uh, unbelievable that they could crash the thing and Henry would be thrown clear. I would have thought that uh, crash landing of... of of something that unmaneuverable, they would have both been toast. But no, he was thrown clear. Where's Thinnis? Where's Thinnis? He's still in the wreck. And uh, this is quite an understated moment of uh, bravery on Hendry's part. If he hadn't gone back for Thinnis, Hendry at least would have lived. Spoiler alert, he's about to suffer catastrophic injuries because he went back to save Thinnis. Because the British guy went back to save the American guy. He wasn't down when the, the ship exploded. And of course he didn't have his helmet on, like Thinnis. 
Oh dear. Well, Hendry has uh, been knocked about and burnt a bit. Doesn't look good for him. So what's Thinnis going to do now? This is a very, um, very sad end to their journey to the far side of the sun. It all went to custard a bit quickly for them. Oh, searchlights. UFO end credits music as well. Again, Barry Gray has got a whole stockpile of spooky, ethereal, weird-sounding music by this point, so it's kind of just Frankenstein a few different tracks together, and it'll do. We've got more important, more grander themes to uh, to compose. That's it. Thinnis is going to throw Hendry over his shoulders, and they're getting out of there. But they're surrounded by a crevasse? Also, what I think might have been the edge of the model set there. I'm not entirely certain. I'll have to go back and look at that later. Oh, the searchlights have spotted their gear. And now the two of them. Oh. And it's... Again, it's one of those things where for a moment you think they have landed on an alien planet. Here comes an alien... And it's, um, it's someone who just happens to wear a very weird article of clothing for their job. And also, also isn't above slapping people. This is an air-sea rescue guy, uh, for those who haven't seen the film. And he's just smacked Thinnis in the face, knocked him out. Admittedly, Thinnis was about to shoot him, but uh, even so, you don't shoot... Yet another familiar face from both UFO and the Protectors. Do you speak English? I'm Air Sea Rescue, Ulan Barter. Anthony Chin. But there's no reason why an Air Sea Rescue man would have a domed helmet, green leather alien skin-like suit, um, red googly eyes and what looks like a harmonica as a breathing device. Uh, I do like that shot though of the debris landing on the remains of the, the, the discarded spacesuit and helmet. And now here comes another familiar face, this time from the past of uh, the Anderson universe. Actually I shouldn't say familiar face, I should say familiar voice. The voice will be familiar, the face perhaps not. Well, the result of the electronic medical check. He's in pretty good shape. But the readouts on items 20, 27 and 32 don't make sense. Yep, it's Cy Grant, a.k.a. Lieutenant Green. They don't. Check the computer. It was checked out this morning. Then check it out again. Never trust them. And I think he's there because, again, you you want to be uncertain of where you are. You don't want to reveal straight away that they're back at Eurosec by putting Weimark or Philip Maddock, who was just there um, in the camera, put an, an unfamiliar face in there just for a moment. And then you pan over from Cy Grant to Weimark. I think he says to be recorded. Looking very cheesed off. I want a total security blackout on news of their return till we find out what the devil's gone wrong. What about that Mongolian rescue team? Kill them. I had a word with my opposite number in the Soviet Academy of Space Science. They've agreed to cooperate. Oh, good. Does the clampdown include Mrs. Ross? No. Tell her to stand by. I wouldn't want to clamp her down. She's mean. Hey, 
except authorized personnel, are to see any of the results till all the computers have been completely rechecked. You're responsible. It's my department. That's not an answer. Oh, I like having Patrick Weimark to deal with. I'm not going to get to do a Patrick Weimark impression after this episode. He's still conscious. And Colonel Ross. Apart from the shock and superficial burning located in Is the... he fit? You guys don't... don't mind if I start reviewing power game episodes, do you? I want to do I want to do more Weimark. Ah, so it's uh, not looking good for John Kane, but Glenn Ross is up and about, you'll be pleased to know. And since he's up and about, we're going to interrogate him. And this interrogation room, is, it's a round room with a sort of um, bowl in the centre for the interrogatee to sit on a, uh, on a chair. For his interrogation by... To go through with this. Newman and Lisa. John. Yes. And as yet, cleverly, um, neither the film nor Glenn Ross as a character has called attention to the fact that uh, all the writing is reversed on the... Briefing uh, setter. The That's clothing right. and the, the hairstyles, particularly the uh, the Eurosec logo, is most notable. And of course, it's strange to think that all of this footage is um, we did not turn back. Presumably flopped from how it would have been originally shot. We reached the new planet. Yes, I would have to assume that they just the journey of six weeks made Hendry and Thinnis's gear mirrored and their hairdos and then just flop the footage. Completed the electronic survey. There's no way, there's no way in heck that they um, f created a load of flopped Eurosec uh, insignia and so forth. On Earth. On the planet. You're here, on Earth. To the planet and back in three weeks. I don't know, there's a lot I can't explain. You left Earth. And this chair that uh, Thinnis is sitting in, it revolves to face whichever person is asking him questions. I don't know if it's intentional, but it kind of looks to me like this would just succeed in making Why? the interviewee just feel kind of sick. Why? I'm sending Ross home. He was very, very sick in the interrogation room. The interrogation leaves us with two possibilities. One, Ross aborted the mission and turned back. If that was the case, he'd deny it for obvious reasons. Two, Ross genuinely believes he made the journey to the new planet, and he is as surprised as we are that when he landed, he found himself back on Earth. This is a theory I prefer to believe. This is a, a nice part of, of Webb's characterization, although Weimark is well known for playing sign of life on angry, almost stick-in-the-mud type characters. Webb is, although he has some of those tropes within his personality, he is quite prepared to accept All right. so, the unexpected and the unexplained. But three weeks to the planet. He wants to believe in his people, but he also knows that the science and the maths don't add up. So they turn back. It still doesn't make sense. And the character didn't need to be this sympathetic. He could have just been the, the arrogant, hot-headed commander... The council felt railroaded into this project from the start. Someone who saw no, you know, no room for imagination in, in resolving a problem. It's all about money and business and politics and... You can't do that without the flight recorder. And that's still on the Phoenix. Arrangements have been made to bring that back. Oh. When is Poulsen due back from the States? Not till the 17th. Thank God for that. 
We wouldn't want any more Ed Bishop in this film. Yeah, Ed Bishop just gone from the film. Uh, quite a few characters just, just disappear from the film like that. Glenn, what really happened? What made you turn back? We didn't turn back. So, Sharon's come to pick You're him up. You're covering for John Kane, aren't you? No, there's nothing to cover for. What the hell are you doing? I think I was on the wrong side of the road. It's not that he's only just figuring out now. I know he's been through a lot and he um, probably had a... Must have been rough. ...a sore tummy after the interrogation chair. But it's not that he would get in the flopped car and not question anything. I'll go make some coffee. Until they were almost all the way home and then he noticed the truck. Now he's home, he's going to notice uh, one or two things out of place. Like that fish tank. Those flowers weren't there before. That door didn't go that way. What's my bathroom doing over here? <gasps> that's, the, that's the killer. That's the clue. He reached for a light switch. That was on the opposite side of the door. Wow. Sharon, what's going on? Yes, now we're coming up on the reveal of the... Uh, yeah, damn well what it is. This room... The nature of the other planet. Changed. What the hell's happened here? Because again, spoiler alert, they didn't turn back. This is the planet that they were aiming to get to. A complete duplicate of their own world, right down to exact copies. Well, some disorientation isn't unusual after a protracted period in space. Of everybody on it. Yeah, Matt, but it's never happened on any previous space flights. All right, keep me informed. If things get worse, I promise immediate action. Philip Maddock has a very blue office, blue painted walls, and a painting of two different shades of blue. Oh. Thinnis has gone to bed. Ah, next morning. I presume it's the next morning. It's shaving time. And that bottle of cologne, the writing, looks right in his mirror, but wrong to his own eyes. Test this out by placing it up against the mirror. It is one of those things where I think we are quite a few steps ahead of the character on this point. Oh, no. That was expensive. What is it? And I can kind of sympathise a little with Sharon Ross here, even though she's been a, a bit of a moo up to this point. You know, to her eyes, everything is normal except her husband. What's wrong? The writing is reversed. To her husband's eyes, everything is wrong. Even this watch. Everything is reversed. Which again, even despite their marital problems and so on. Oh, there's no need for that. Well, but here come the shadow jeeps. And the men in, oh no, not white coats, yellow coats. This is the, this is Anderson Medical Smocks. Jason, this is urgent. I must see you right away. And that's nice. John Kelly got a trip to uh, to Portugal. Yeah, what is it? Over here, Colonel. To play a, 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 I keep wanting to say a shadow medic. He's not shadow, it's Eurosec. Dubbed by, again, Jeremy Wilkin. That's it. Thinnis is out. Here's the other doppelganger car. Carrying Newman and Lisa, arriving just in time to see Thinnis being carried away. But it's suddenly all go. This does it. I'm getting out of here. You don't mean that, Sharon. You bet I do. What happened after he smashed all the bottles? He went crazy. He said his own handwriting was reversed, my watch, everything. Well, look at this. Does this look reversed to you? The man's gone out of his mind. We don't know that yet. Well, you may not, but I do. I'm his wife, remember that. 
And I think this is her last scene in the film. She's off. She's had enough of this. He hit me. It was the flight. It was before the flight. And like I said, I'm getting out of here. We know about your personal life, Mrs. Ross. It's oh. our job. But you better forget these ideas you have about leaving. Has, has George Sewell got a, a camera in their shower? In this house. But I can and will stop you leaving Eurosec. Oh. Well, that's a threat. And that was it for Sharon Ross. We don't know where she went after that. Presumably she didn't stay at home. So, everything is reversed, huh? Everything. And here comes yet another face we're going to see a lot of in UFO. Alright. It's Vladik Shebao. Set it up. The one and only, the glorious Vladik Shebao. I would love to know how he ended up in this film, why he's only in this one short scene. Now, watch the mirror, please. Oh no, he's in two, I think. Holding up this board. Read it! Fire emergency checklist. But they are showing him in the mirror. Of course, to their eyes, it's reversed text, but which to them looks fine. To Ross, it should look wrong, but doesn't. And of course, that fireboard um, sign the hell more do you want? thing turns up in an episode of The Persuaders. As does uh, John Kane's resignation letter. It's the absolute last place you'd expect to see uh, something from a, a relatively serious film turn up is in a, a show as light-hearted as The Persuaders, but uh, yeah, more than once. Doppelganger stuff in Persuaders. And now we get another trippy dream sequence, which again is a bit of 2001-inspired visual weirdness. Recapping, oh, a bit I really wish we don't have to see again, because Thinnis does not look good slapping his wife around, but then it's revealed that it's Lisa. Oh, because that character he had one scene with, I guess he's in love with her? And she's in love with him? And some nice mirrored effects, though, on the uh, replay of the sequence of the dove crash. But of course, we already know all this stuff, so it doesn't add much to the viewing experience from our point of view, but some nice mirroring uh, of yeah, the ships and the, the people and, oh goodness, there's that air sea rescue costume. It's one of, the, one of the most ridiculous things. Yeah, I would say that's actually the most ridiculous thing in this film. Which, considering they've landed on a planet of their own doppelgangers, is, uh, is quite impressive. I realise I'm starting to sound a bit down on this film now, and I'm really not. It's just... It's some spectacular visuals, superb performances, but um, the, the central idea of precise doubles on, on the other planet. It's a great, as, as many people have said, it's a great Twilight Zone episode idea. It just doesn't feel very Anderson-y. It kind of feels a bit cheap, you know, hey, Here's this alien world. What could be there? Exactly what's already here. Eh, dunno. Oh, isn't the sequence over yet? Why did you turn back? We crashed. Why? 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 Well, that, uh, that's that done. Whatever it was, we had to do it. We're now in Vladik Shebal's office. Bad. Satisfied? He too has some weird paintings on Satisfied the walls. Satisfied that I was telling the truth about the new planet. 
You're bound to be a little confused until the drug wears off. You're trying to check out my story, right? Huh? You couldn't fault it, right? No, we couldn't fault it. Right. It looks like a squashed ladybird on his uh, on his wall. Oh yeah, John Kane. I've forgotten about him. Yes, second build star in Hendry. Um, now barely alive in a life support machine. With Weimark yelling at him on the other side. And he just barely has enough energy to, to open his eyes. And try to speak. Again, it's a it's an understated, subtle, tragic element to this this character that um, in going back for for Thinis, he he sacrificed his own life. And I don't think there's really any acknowledgement of that on Thinis's part. I suppose because he was unconscious, really. But uh, yeah, no one in the film will ever know that uh, Hendry made that sacrifice. It's all very sad. Meanwhile, Thinis is now in Jason's office. Looking at mirrors. Smoking thoughtfully. Wondering how long it's going to be before somebody offers him a drink. And I, I believe I read an interview somewhere with Thinis where he said that um, although he was a smoker at the time, he actually became ill from the amount of smoking that he had to do in this film. Which, um, I suppose, in the you know, on the scale of 1 to 10, 1 being, I don't know, the amount of smoking you see in Joe 90 and 10 being UFO. This is, well, this film is about a, a 7, maybe. Possibly a 6.5, but, uh, yeah. I guess they had to do a lot of retakes. Oh, come on. Yeah, I like this film. I like this film a lot. I have a lot of time for this film. I just wish it was if it was just ten minutes shorter and we could speed up some of the uh, the slightly duller scenes because I do think it it does the film a disservice that we as the viewers are quite a way ahead of the sh the, the characters for at least fifteen minutes before they really figure out what's actually happened here. Webb has finally shown up. I'm sorry, I'm late. I was detained at the medical centre. I was yelling at Ian Hendry. I said it was very important. Oh, Jason, you sit down. Now, you've checked me, interrogated me, you've looked into my brain and you've found out nothing. I want you to sit down and listen to me. Nobody talks like that to Patrick Weimark. No, oh, he's going to do it, though. I'm listening. He's listening. Now, what I'm going to tell you is bizarre, weird. But it's the only theory that fits the facts. I've put Brussels sprouts in my underwear. Oh, a complete duplication of matter. Yeah. A situation where every single atom, every molecule here, is duplicated here, except that it's in reverse. And I, I, I like this shot of him making this presentation in front of Webb's wall chart. Well, a map showing the two planets. At precisely the same time to travel to Earth. This shot of... Um, a duplicate thinness. You know, as Colonel Ross, making the same presentation at the same time. Except reversed room. It's kind of slightly cheesy, but it does call into question. rubbing his hands together at this exact moment. The idea of whether or not, although the, these two planets are exact duplicates, whether events are unfolding in the same way and at the same time. And I think that shot is meant to establish that 
yes they are i have seen some people saying you know it 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 doesn't have to be unfolding at the same time on the other planet and they're right it doesn't have to be but i think that shot kind of says actually we are supposed to believe this is these two planets have a physical connection this is happening simultaneously on both worlds the reflection in the mirror they both exist for every person on one planet there is a double on the other don't you understand until a few days ago you and i had never met are you trying to tell me that you don't know any of the people here? Only their doppelgangers. Their what? Doppelgangers. Doubles. You want a literal translation? The mirrored images of themselves. Does it mean mirrored? I know it, it means double, but I, I, I don't know if... if um... Yeah, the doubles thing is, is hard enough to explain. The fact that it's mirrored... Again, it, it creates some nice visual imagery. Well, I could. Beyond that, it's not much... There's not much point to it. Not your call. Dr. Pontini, I've just completed a post-mortem on John Kane. Oh, uh, excuse me, John Kane is dead? Internal organs were found to be on the opposite side from normal. My normal, that is. Don't just break it to Roy Thinnis like that. It was all there on the computer readout when you had your electronic medicals. So you see, your theory holds up. It would seem I'm not the Jason Webb that you know. Only an impish doppelganger. Ah, a little comedy moment, and uh, that's another word Weimark can really stretch out. Doppelganger. It's only a theory. Well, it's the best you come up with, but we can't prove it till we've recovered the phoenix. I love this. As, as I've said before, I love the fact that Webb is so instantly on board with this crazy idea. We'll have to reverse the controls and the electrical systems. Or does the polarity of electricity remain the same? If we're wrong... You do realise what would happen to you. Oh, it's all right. You've got a guy in launch control who knows someone about the polarity of electricity and the reversal thereof. Oh, meanwhile... Are you willing to take a chance on him, too? Let's drink a lot. Ah, well, Ross has got some thinking to do. Stare at his own reflection in the water. And there she is. There's Lisa. His uh, would-be, could-be, not really love interest. If they are as confused as mine, maybe sharing them would help. And um, this is not her... I can't remember the actress's name playing the, the physical role. Um, but this is not her voice. She's dubbed by uh, Nikki Vanderzil, who dubbed a lot of characters in... Um, various 60s and 70s uh, television shows and films she's in a lot of bond films she uh are you going to recover the phoenix she dubs several um sort of girls of the week in uh, various itc shows you know um anytime you hear a heavily accented foreign lady saying oh mr templar mr king mr randall it's it's normally nikki vanderzil's voice and i'm pretty certain that she dubbed um the voices of Peter Duncan as Cantor and oh, I can't remember the kid's name, but Etrek in the Mark of Arcanon in, in Space 1999. In fact, I'm glad you're here. Someone to talk to. So she's a very prolific voice artist. Whoa! Oh, I see. I see. He puts his arm around her and then we cut to rocket launching. I see what they're doing there. They're establishing that it's time for Ross to go home. 
all by himself. Poor old John Kane. Nobody, nobody gives a damn about the fact that Kane is dead. Why did you reverse doppelganger, Colonel? It's an inside joke between me and myself. Good luck, sir. Gary Files' voice, again, dubbing, uh, I don't recognise that extra. Well, now we have an access ladder to get onto rockets. We didn't have that with a plane thing earlier. And a nice, simple, and more importantly, quick entry to the Dove for the return trip. Proceed condition. So we're heading off in the Dove to reconnect with the Phoenix. I think I spot there a plane that uh, turned up in the UFO. This is Eurosec Launch Control. Phoenix on horizon. Lift off, eight seconds. He's got a marvelous voice for this sort of thing, Keith Alexander. Board computer indicates lift off five seconds. Well, we're coming into the last ten minutes or so of Doppelganger now, and I'm sitting here thinking, you know, this is my last chance ever to talk about this film. I've got to, I've got to cover anything I haven't mentioned yet. But mostly, I just think, oh, why, Mark? Why couldn't we have had more Patrick? Why, Mark? Oh, some familiar launch sound effects there as the dove whoa speeds away very quickly there's a mix of good shots convincing shots and uh, a bit the, the dove is a bit of a wobbly model um you can sense the wires on it in certain shots but everybody's here in the bunker well you couldn't stay away these two are webb and lisa she she loves him she cares. Control, this is Doppelganger. Now leading Earth's atmosphere. Roger, Doppelganger. Do all the launch uh, control personnel know the backstory behind what they're attempting to do here? I imagine most of them must do. It's strange how everyone is on board with this. Nobody has said, uh, duplicate planet, exact. There's an exact duplicate of me on another planet? There, what? How? It's, it's one of those. Um, yeah, you know, we don't really have time to go into the whole philosophical ramifications of that concept, and it's fairly Phoenix, twenty miles ahead. Drastic, but again, this is a sci-fi action film, so we're we're not really gonna think about that too much. I see it now. Oh, there it is. Control. Beginning docking maneuvers. From now on, it'll be just as easy as parking a car. Why, Mark? I I would say for the first and only time in this film, does look genuinely sloshed. He's slumped in his chair with his hair all over the place, waving his arms around. As a parking car. I've had a few. I can park a spaceship. It's fine. I'm Patrick Wymark. Oh. You wonderful man. You were gone too soon. We're about to dock, Jason. Any additional orders? Proceed with docking. It's getting very tense. I do like as well there, and it's a strange decision that Barry Gray has composed this music, the extended stings in this sequence, to um, coincide with the firing of the retros on the dove. Very clever. Um, not entirely necessary, but... Oh, here we go. We're opening the uh, docking ports on the front of the dove. This is the replacement dove that we've built on the Mirror Earth to connect with the Phoenix from the 
regular Earth, will they connect? Oh, oh, there's a Rolls Royce logo. Had to squeeze that in there somewhere. Uh oh. There are two planets. There are definitely two identical. Yeah. He knows there are two planets. He's seen the uh, Rolls-Royce logo. That's confirmed it for him. Doppelganger, say again. We lost your last trans... But there's been an electrical short. Repeat. We lost your last transmission. Jason, now... I'm not reading you. Maybe you're reading me. The retros on the Phoenix have fired. I don't know why, but they've fired. I'm pulling out. Oh, everything's breaking. I say again, there are definitely two planets. Identical, but reversed in some way. If only he could have saved that Rolls-Royce sticker. Give him the automatic approach system. Dub now an automatic control. Roger. Jeremy Wilkins dubbing another extra there. Nicholas Courtney is still in the building. Stand by. Oh, that's it. We're heading uh, back to Earth. The Dove is falling out of orbit. This is Doppelganger to launch control. If you're reading me, come in, please. And, oh, yes, there goes the Phoenix. About to burn up in the atmosphere. Pulled out of the Phoenix. Extensive damage all systems. One thing that's not reversed is the polarity of electricity. Instruments indicate negative, still negative, positive, still positive. Hey. Well, it's not going to do you much good now. Because we are now heading for something of a downbeat ending. To put it mildly. And again, something the Andersons had played with a little before downbeat endings in is there a separate radar captain scarlet no sir re-entry speed but this is the first time really we have an ending speed. almost without hope i would say which is quite quite strange second blip on screen could be the dove as um Thinis is now heading back to earth Twelve thousand reducing in the dove as far as i can see sir angler entry there. Still under computer control. He can't uh, do anything about landing. Cut automatic approach system. I say again, cut automatic approach system. Unable to affect landing at Eurosec. Maintain automatic approach system. We'll bring him right down the beam until he breaks contact with the final approach. Launch control, if you read me, cut automatic approach system. Oh no. Get off beam. Bit of a misunderstanding here. Everybody, each party is expecting the other party to be the one to break contact. All stations. Red alert. All oh no. Alert. Into your jeeps, men. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Yes, close up the uh, gantry housing on the rocket. I don't know why we have another rocket ready to go. We built that very quickly. And uh, as it turns out, rather foolishly, but now the bunker that uh, Weimark and... Lisa are in is being lowered underground. That that at least will be safe. And Lisa's being led away, but does she get out of the building? Launch control, cut automatic approach system. Unable to affect the landing at Eurosec. All vertical thrusters have failed. So I guess at this point, Thinnis must know he's screwed. Cut automatic approach system. Break contact. If they'd cut the beam earlier, maybe he could have done some uh, horizontal manoeuvring to uh, steer himself onto a different course. Unfortunately, they've cut contact too late, and wouldn't you know it, he's on a direct course for the not-quite-yet-closed launch gantry building. Oh, and...
and there was our hero... Exploded. Dead. Oh dear. And uh, here's but the first of many. Because as the rocket goes up in flames, and this is just a gorgeous effect sequence, by the way. This is one of the greatest effect sequences in Anderson history. Huge spiraling tornado of fire hits what I believe is the medical center. And then a fuel can lands on top of it. Well, everyone in there was dead. Um, which is almost certainly Philip Maddock and Vladik Shabal were in there at the time. And here it goes. The rocket is falling, 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 and... Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, that's good stuff. And then this, uh, this quiet pan across the uh, devastated Eurosec complex. I love that we're pulling back into um, what is you know, clearly a building, some empty room that's been completely trashed by, by what's happened. I do have some questions about this as an ending, though. The fact that we are now flashing forward to presumably several years in the future, where we meet what appears to be the only survivor of the disaster. Dr. Pontini, the only witnesses, gone, records, x-rays, documents, everything destroyed. So, are you surprised that no one believes me? Yeah, Jason Webb was apparently the only survivor of that disaster. Um, okay, it's nice that we're ending with Weimart, because again, as I've said all the way through, the absolute star of the film, but uh, he was in the underground bunker when, when the complex was destroyed. But so too, uh, at the very least, Lisa... Keith Alexander, Jeremy Wilkin, Nicholas Courtney, in fact, a whole control room of, of launch technicians. Presumably there must have been other survivors, and yet the film seems to be ending on the note of... It was kind of... Jason is assumed delusional. He's in an old folk's home, looking very near the end of his days. But he sees a reflection at the end of the hall. Is that himself? beckoning to himself. Well, there's only one way to find out. Wheel our wheelchair over there. And I love the look of just manic determination on his face there. It's like this old man has spent the last ten years or whatever. Nobody believes him. And then he gets to the, the closest to the truth he's ever going to get. And for that moment where he hits the glass and obviously dies, there's the coloured lights suggesting something. Something greater than just an old man's death. We'll never know because this ending is so sudden. Much like the film, we're out of time. This has been Doppelganger. Goodbye.